Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and Daily Antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. That's right. It's Wednesday, March 15th, and today is National SBDC Day, whatever the hell that stands for. National Kansas Day. Everything you think is wrong day. Sounds like that's, a you know, lots of problems that people have that don't really exist. It's also National Pears Helene Day. And National Shoe the World Day, because everyone should have a pair of kicks to wear. Thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can use that fancy little QR code right there in the top portion of your screen to find out where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can... Raise your hand and be part of the show if you have a comment on the story most recently presented. But kicking it off today, that's right, we have the dope dad himself. That's right, Rico Lameet, who, because of our internet gang ties, have got us caught up in some internet gang wars over here to where we are getting blasted on over here. And our internet is super, super shoddy today, so we apologize for any technical difficulties that you experience because of our uh, gun battles in regards to the South Central L.A. internet cartels. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. Well, you know, um, my mic ain't working, so y'all get the, 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 the full fucking throated version of Rico and me today. And um, I apologize for your internet access problems, Jason, but you know what? The hood got to win something. Anyways, uh, my uh, my story today is coming from uh, multiple sources. Just talking about uh, what's going on in the uh, world of Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes. All right, so last June, Minnesota blessed us with the privilege of witnessing peak American political ineptitude with Republican State Senator James Abler's now infamous words. That doesn't legalize marijuana. We just didn't do that, did we? Abler was reacting to a uncharacteristically lean bill that he and his ignorant prohibitionist cohort signed into law without reading that made it legal to manufacture and sell consumables containing up to five milligrams of industrial hemp derived THC. Problem is the bill was so lean that it had no regulatory framework tied to it beyond y'all can sell up to five milligrams of THC products if the THC comes from legally grown hemp and it ain't smokable. 
Surprisingly, the biggest winner of last year's Minnesota Freedom Market sweepstakes was the state's ailing craft beer industry. Once one of the most successful in the world, it never recovered fully from COVID lockdowns and business restrictions, leaving producers on their deathbeds as a result. But factories easily shifted to manufacturing cannabis-infused drinkables without the need for uh, to replace existing equipment, breathing new life into the industry and launching a THC gold rush nobody saw coming. All, th all good things do come to an end, though. Because yesterday, Minnesota's adult use legislation underwent a major rewrite with new language added to the existing market uh, for low potency edibles and drinkables. Hemp provisions were added by the Senate and similar amendments due from the House are next week, leaving the future of a revitalized uh, craft beer manufacturing industry in limbo. The lead author, Democratic Senator Lindsey Port, said that the passing of 142-page amendment deals extensively with regulatory and licensing provisions uh, to address stakeholder what's that to adjust a, a stakeholder feedback with significant adjustments giving local governments more control though um, they'd remain barred from total bans on cannabis businesses a kvi that she said would ensure the industrial hemp industry does not face undue burdens but existing manufacturers and retailers that have enjoyed access to capital, banking, and tax-deductible business expenses, thanks to hemp not being illegal under federal law, have expressed concerns that the bill's language would put them at a disadvantage, soon having to compete with newly legalized cannabis businesses. As much as I want to feel bad for these guys, they uh, these businesses took the risks willingly and chose to take over. officials were finessed into uh, signing into law something that they never fully understood. At this point, nobody knows how things will shake out for existing hemp producers or aspiring higher potency operators in the land of 10,000 lakes. It'll likely be years before the laws settle, and nobody will be completely happy with the end result. Global legalization efforts take bigger chunks out of big alcohol profits each quarter, adding uncertainty to long-term business plans of established manufacturers. But here's my question of the day. They've got the money and the infrastructure. Could Minnesota's craft short-lived boon become the spark that led to Big Alcohol's all-out takeover of adult-use cannabis? I'm Rico Lamit, Dobas Dad in the Street. I'd love to hear from you guys on this one. Sounds like they had to fix a lot of things in their rewriting process, Rico. They just put forward. Uh, they said uh, hemp, uh, anything up to 5% of THC is legal, period. Right. That was it. So they had a lot of shit <laughs> that they had to well, put I think in. They're, they're just doing that for their farmers out there because there's so much probably hot hemp produced. They need something to do with it. And so they wanted to give them a legal out. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. See, I see Larissa shaking her head, yes. I, I see you're trying to tie this to Glenn Youngkin's bullshit in Virginia. <laughs> hey, bro. It's, it's all tied together, bro. <laughs> It's all tied together. It's just consider it one big root ball. What do you think about this one, uh, um, uh, Gretchen? I got nothing. I'd, uh, I'm sorry. I don't understand what you're saying that they did. They they upped hemp to 5%? That's what you're telling me or no? I'm they legalized accidentally last year. You remember? Um, they didn't accidentally do anything. Trust me. These people aren't that stupid. They just made it look like they accidentally did it so they could pretend to their voters that they didn't know what was going on. 
But Minnesota absolutely knew what they were doing. They're not 100%. stupid. No, the Democrats knew what they were, they were doing. They slipped that shit on in. They slid. Uh, Democrats it on aren't in. that slick. Don't even try and yeah, pretend. Trust in. me. <laughs> no lawmakers that slick. Y'all nuts. <laughs> to pretend that Minnesota didn't know what was happening, they knew what was happening. They got it in so they could do a major rewrite and do whatever the hell they want to do. That's what lawmakers do. They do this shit so it works for them. Very, very true. That is what they do. They make it work. This is what happens when you continue to play around with prohibitionary laws when the public doesn't support it. Because you can put some bullshit like this in. Oh, you can get up to 5% from hemp. You know, okay. It, well, uh, what is the, uh, this bullshit? Why don't you just legalize this stuff and quit fucking around with it? But that's not going to happen because politically it's not, you know, that's not a balloon you want to float. So Gretchen's right. They're going to they're going to continue to chew around the edges and poke things in there. And they're trying to get as much control as they can. And money behind this is what talks. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, do do you think it should be um, do you think this is a we'll see what happened to the the, the craft beer industry there. Do you think that this is a um, a a good. I would say a microcosm of what can happen on the greater scale of things um, is, is this priming big alcohol to take over adult use? Well, in, anything's possible, but there's still a hobgoblin out there mixing alcohol and cannabis. And, right. and that, that hasn't gone away. So to try to bring those two together intentionally, I don't think it's going to sell very well, even though people smoke weed and drink beer and whiskey and all that kind of shit all the time, right. but putting it together as an industry. And I still think that big tobacco and big alcohol are still, you know, keeping one foot on the line and, you know, watching what happens here. Mm-hmm. I see this where I'm very confused again. Where are they talking about alcohol in this? So um, the new craft regulations or the, mm-hmm. excuse me, the new regulations coming in could kill off the craft beer industry. So the craft beer industry uh, was revitalized with the um, um, 5% hemp uh, um, I don't get I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I, I, so how, how, how is cannabis killing beer? That's what I don't understand. Because the craft industry, the craft beer industry was revitalized because all of the plants were taken back online to create infused beverages. Period. They've made millions upon millions oh, of dollars. It, it, infused, infused, infused CBD beverages, not the actual beer. No. You're, say, you're right. saying the, the old factories yeah. that used the bottling plants, yeah. they, they used yeah. to be the craft beer factories. Came, they lost all the jobs, and then because of hemp, they came back because they're producing yes. CBD water and all that other bullshit. Yes, and, and, made a and now, and now, because of the rewriting of this draft, it, it it questions everyone's jobs, uh, job security at all these plants because they might not be able to make the same products that they are because right. of the source material being illegal now. Right. Does that make sense now, Gretchen? No, I don't know what the hell you people are talking about. Ah. Um, <laughs> all right, I just easy connection there. Like, so the, the, you need an infused uh, beverage, Gretchen. Yeah. Oh, oh, Gretchen. Gretchen, so that so they had a law, okay? That, yeah, that, like I'm a six year old, Jason Beck. Give it to me. All right, so they had a law that all of a sudden made hemp magically legal. That was Correct. that was considered hot, okay? Which yeah. would be above the 0. 0.3 threshold up Got to 0. 0.5, okay? Right. So, so then all of a sudden they had all these old bottling factories that sure. were not being used in Minnesota. And so uh-huh. then all these CBD beverage companies went in there and inhabited those and created jobs and started creating products. Fantastic. Okay. And so now this new bill yeah. them fixing the loophole will jeopardize everyone's jobs because they're not going to be able to produce this hot hemp into these beverages anymore. 
There it is, Jason. But it, but it's not going to affect the craft beer industry. No, it's not. No, not at all. Okay. No. All right. This is where not I'm trying all. to get my clarification. No, not at all. It's, 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 we it's, love it's, throwing it's around facilities. shit just to say it. It's the yes, facilities. it is. No, it's not going to affect the craft beer industry at all. No, it is not. Yes, Stop. it is. How? is the, the, the craft beer industry was done in Minnesota, and then all of a sudden, it sounds like it's been done. And Lifeline came along through. Let me tell you something. CBD water. CBD water is not craft beer. Okay. What's that? CBD water is not craft beer. Okay. I saw the confusion right there. All right. But CBD <laughs> water is not craft beer. All right. And, we, and another point, which we're not bringing up at all, which we know that hemp the, is an, it's an arbitrary bullshit number. We all know I mean, that. You yes. go to yeah. South America yeah. and it's, a, you know, 1%. Correct. I mean, it's all, the whole thing is stupid. So screw them. I don't care. I'm all not right. going to Minnesota anytime soon. You get any <laughs> thoughts on this, Matthew, before we... Three is the magic number. Three. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Dale gets me. I think Larissa, gets me Larissa, do you have any thoughts on this, Larissa? Well, I mean, you, yeah. This is this is just you know par for the course. This is just what they've been doing and how the how the alcohol and tobacco industry has been advancing in cannabis this whole time. They've got an army of lobbyists in D.C., so it's not just Minnesota. They, they see, you know, cannabis is regulated like alcohol. This is right now, I mean, there's some differences. For example, you know, it's not vertically, alcohol is not vertically integrated, but people are pushing for that, for cannabis to also not be, there's a lot of movement to monopolize the space right now. So I'm not thought. I love playing Monopoly. Let's, let's go to a commercial real quick. We'll be right back. <laughs> Don't pass, go. Yeah. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. All right. If you ain't smoking on the best weed in the world, Hollywood's president of cannabis tourism is probably somewhere sleeping. Up next, we've got the man they actually call White Gucci in Detroit and the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer. Everybody, warm welcome for Jason Beck. Oh, yeah, Rico. So, Gretchen, you remember that story about the governor in Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, guess what? My story is going back to Kentucky today because a bill legalizing medical marijuana in Kentucky passes out of a Senate committee. That's right. Medical marijuana advocates could not believe what they saw happen in Tuesday's Senate licensing and occupations committee. After more than a decade of attempts, advocates finally got to make their case in a Senate committee and the committee sided with them passing Senate bill 47 on an eight to three vote. In, in a quote, I'm in shock right now, said longtime legalization advocate Eric Crawford. I'm 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 at a loss for words, said C.J. Carter, the Kentucky state director of minorities for medical marijuana. The Kentucky House has passed a medical marijuana bill twice since 2020, but the bills have died in the Senate without much action. So Tuesday's action represented progress for advocates, especially because they flipped one of the legislators most vocal opponents of medical marijuana 
Senator Damon Thayer in a quote. I have been a longtime opponent of legalization relating to marijuana, said said Thayer. Thayer, I came into this body 20 years ago with a strong set of core beliefs. I grew up in the 1980s during a very strong anti-drug culture. If you're a pot smoker and you're looking looking for me to help get the camel's nose under the tent so you can smoke your pot legally in Kentucky, I'm not your guy, he says. But a narrow approach to medical marijuana is something that Thayer says he can support. For the sake of those who suffer, I vote yeah, he said. Senate Bill 47 is a narrow approach, according to Senator Stephen West, the bill sponsor. For example, no smoking is allowed in the bill, and it gives the state nearly two years to develop a medical marijuana program. Uh, Providers will know exactly who's getting what and how much, he explained. And if you're having heartburn about this bill implementation, uh, with, with this is not set until January 1 of 2025, added West. We're giving the cabinet a long time to enact regulations and put those into place. Those will be viewed and, and re-reviewed, and we will be back in session before implementation. Tuesday's action has renewed advocates' hope. I'm going to quote. I wanted to scream, yay, 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 said Crawford. And like a little kid in the candy store, This was a great day, said Carter. Great day for the residents. Great day for the patients. It's a great day in Kentucky history, he says. SB 47 will be eligible for a vote on the Kentucky Senate floor on Thursday at the earliest. Represented Jason Names, who who has sponsored medical marijuana legislation in the past, believes if the Senate passes the bill, the House will be able to give it final passage before the legislative clock runs out at the end of the month. During an interview with reporters, Nemes got got teary-eyed talking about the importance of creating a medical cannabis program in Kentucky in a quote, for countless people that this will help. How can you not be emotional, he said. But not everyone is on board with the idea. The Family Foundation spoke against SB 47, worrying that medical marijuana is a slippery slope towards full marijuana legalization, and the group also raised concerns about marijuana falling into the wrong hands. In a quote, other states' attempts to legalize medical marijuana have revealed un unintended consequences such as easier access to children said michael johnson a policy advisor for the group but advocates like crawford told lawmakers that the bill would give a lot of people a better quality of life crawford explained that that as a quadriplegic marijuana helps him get through the day in a quote i don't want to be high i just want to feel better he says it allows me longevity a better quality of life to be a better husband son friend and man he added crawford surely there's no one on this committee who thinks i'd be better off taking opioids the following diagnoses are covered under sb 47 and get ready for this you guys any type or form of cancer regardless of the stage chronic, severe, or inactable or debilitating pain, epilepsy, or any other intraceable seizure disorder, multiple sclerosis, muscle spasms, or spasticity, chronic nausea or clinical vomiting syndrome that has been proven resistant to other conventional medical treatments, post-traumatic stress disorder, and 
any other medical condition or disease for which the Kentucky Center for Cannabis established in KRS 164.983 or its successor determines the sufficient scientific data and evidence exists to demonstrate that an individual diagnosed with that condition or disease is likely to be to, to feel relief from medical therapeutic or palliative benefits from the use of medical cannabis. Well, I think this is a big win for all of those in Kentucky, and this is definitely going to get people a lot farther than just some uh, obtrusity people just saying, oh, yes, I'm a medical patient and hoping that the highway patrol acknowledges that. But I'm going to digress and see what y'all have to say. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News. What do y'all think? I think this is good news because what we see is when people with conservative attitudes about cannabis have a family member who's directly benefited, they tend to loosen up and relax their attitudes about cannabis as well. We continue to see this in states that first onboard medical and then move towards recreational. So I think it's a it's a good step in the right direction. Uh, for all you wonderful conspiracy theorists out there, I would say, is it a coincidence that Mitch McConnell's in the hospital and this happened? I think not. <laughs> Oh, I like yeah. what you did there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They waited till the man had a concussion, and they're like, all right, we're going to pass this. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody should have given him an acute beer. Mm -hmm. did, did they say, right? <laughs> Real talk. Did they, say exactly, did they say exactly what happened uh, to Mitch McConnell? He got a concussion. He slipped fell and fell, fell the other day. Yeah. yeah, and got a concussion. He, he fell and couldn't get up. That's what yeah. he, He's 100. Yeah. Turtles need to be he had, he had a life show. alert on, though. He had a life alert on, so he was able to yeah, get he, back he up. Yeah, he fell on his shell, Rico, and they had to, they had to flip him over. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to flip his ass back over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm really stoked for this uh, for this uh, for Kentucky residents out there. I know they've been fighting a long, hard thing, and Kentucky is a, also a very strong appellation when it comes to cannabis, when it comes to the cornbread mafia. So shout out to all of them. Shout out to the best name ever, cornbread mafia. Yeah, you like that, huh? I think I think this is just a sign that, uh, like Saint Germain was saying, uh, the conservative folks are coming on board. I think that they have seen the momentum of cannabis and states are like, screw it. Uh, what's the point? Might as well get in, get on board now. Conservative you're going to see a lot more coming. Huh? Conservative folks have been getting on board. Well, yeah, I'm talking about the real conservatives. I'm talking about like. Ooh, Idaho. the real conservatives. There's a shot fired at Jason Beck. Right yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> not not I'm a, talking yeah. about the hardcore yeah. sleeping with their Bible conservatives. That's who I'm talking about. All right, you're talking right. about the evangelical right wing conservative Christians. That's who. Yeah, talking I about. think yeah, the crazy, crazy hardcore. If you can start winning over those states, you're gonna be in. We have hope. I've been, I've been winning winning over. Republican and conservative. <sighs> <laughs> the Republican Republican is the party. A conservative is just kind of your leanings. The real the ideology. Conservative your ideology. Uh, Republican you, is your party. What, do, what would you consider yourself, Rico? I'm he's an anarcho-capitalist. Anarcho yeah, he's an anarcho-capitalist. Oh, that sounds like some bullshit to me. It basically means he's, he's, he's a Republican but wants to reserve the right to riot when necessary. Gotcha. No, those, no, those are um, uh, those are uh, libertarians. 
When it comes to my party affiliation, I am a Republican. However, I would consider myself more of a moderate uh, when it comes to my leanings. Okay, well, moderate. Because I'm fiscally conservative and I'm more socially liberal, frankly. So you just don't like taking a stance on anything? What are you talking about? I'll give, I'll give you any stance you want, Rico Lamine. I ain't hiding from nothing. Uh, all right. Well, there, ask me, ask me anything you want. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? I'm a big, radical big, psychedelic yeah. degenerate. Yeah, I want the big. abolition of money and orgies yeah. in the streets. But see, I love see, I love money. <laughs> yeah, I love, right. I love money, but I say fuck this system. It ain't helping none of us. Burn it all down. This system is totally helping. It's helping lots of people. Mm. All the people. Really? All people. Yep, hundred percent. It's helping Kentuckians. All right, let's move along. We got more stuff right. to do today. Let's keep it that's moving, right. man. That's right. That's that's that. Correct. Oh yes, coming up next. Red-headed conservative, Mike Gretchen Gailey, founder of Panoptic Veggies, and the dresser of costumes for dogs. That's right. She loves to put them in little clown outfits and have them prance around the living room. All Some right. people call Nobody's it animal cruelty. Uh, other people, just she just calls it, oh, I love to keep my doggies warm. That's right. It's <laughs> another than me, Gretchen Gailey. Okay, yeah. for all of those who are so confused by this, see, see, can you see my little guy? Action here? cam. Action <laughs> cam. Hold on, I can't see Jack. Where's he at? I can oh, see him. See, there's, there's little Leo. He's well, in his hoodie. Bed. And it says, I only love my bed and my mama. Ah, he's out of here. Yep. He's a little scared. He's uh -huh. See, and he's stretching. He's stretching with Gretchen. That little hoodie doesn't look like it's made out of uh, uh, sustainable materials. Probably not. I'm, I'm sure I bought it in China. Get over it. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the hoodie. 9 a.m. dog party. It's a blue hoodie. Looks like he's getting ready to go gangbang. I know, All right? right? Yeah. yeah. You'd be, you be right at home boy. with me on my block. <laughs> All right. Anyway, my headline is coming from everybody's dysfunctional state. Go bite them. Go bite them. Salem. Get them. Get them. Get them. Bite them. All right. Sorry. Forbes. Uh, this is coming from Forbes for all you marijuana woman haters. I got a story from Forbes. Uh, this is by Will Yakowitz. New York's massive cannabis gray market could cost the state $2.6 billion in lost taxes by the end of the decade. Get Go. All right. If New York doesn't tame its wild west of weed, unlicensed cannabis dispensaries and illegal marijuana sales could siphon a billion dollars a year from the legal market through 2030. That translates to some $2.6 in tax revenue over the next seven years, according to a new report exclusively obtained by Forbes. While the numbers appear sound, according to analysts contacted by Forbes, the report is not completely unbiased. It was prepared by research and policy advisory firm MPG Consulting and commissioned by cannabis company Acreage Holdings, which has 23 dispensaries across nine states, including three medical dispensaries in New York. The report suggests that New York State's slow rollout of licensed recreational dispensaries, there are only four regulated stores, three of which are in Manhattan, to serve the state's 19 million residents and proposed rules that will prevent multi-state operators like Acreage from entering the adult use market for three years is hamstringing the legal industry and strengthening the state's ubiquitous gray market for cannabis. 
New York, which opened its first licensed recreational dispensary in December 2022, is expected to become the country's second largest marijuana market after California, with legal sales projected to reach $4.2 billion in five years and more than $6 billion by 2030. But with the glacially slow rollout of the legal market and the strength of the unlicensed market, analysts can protect, can, can't project when New York will actually hit these numbers. Matthew McGinley, an analyst who covers cannabis at Needham & Company, believes the report's findings are accurate and pretend future losses. The regulators have created a thriving cannabis market for illicit sales, not legal sales, said McGinley. What they have seemed to ignore are the basic economics of operating a state-regulated cannabis business. I would say regulators failed to launch this program. New York's lackluster medical marijuana program, which launched in 2016, is also disappointing. There are 40 licensed medical dispensaries that sold an estimated $168 million worth of cannabis last year, down 0.5% from 2021. Compared to Florida, New York's medical program is a joke. Florida launched medical marijuana sales in 2016 and currently has 545 dispensaries that sold $2 billion worth of weed in 2022, a 25% increase from 2021. Uh, after you, uh, unlike many other states that have legalized recreational cannabis and left businesses to operate in a free market, New York is attempting something different. The state which legalized recreational marijuana in March 2021 is trying to foster an industry devoted to social equity with the goal of righting some of the wrongs in America's, in America's decades-long war on drugs. John Kagia, the director of policy for New York's OCM, said he respects the report's creators but believes they relied on flawed assumptions. We think this analysis significantly underestimates the pace and momentum that we're building in New York and the trajectory of a regulated market. The, MGB, the MPG report estimates that New York will only have 36 licensed recreational dispensaries open by the end of 2023, but the agency has already issued 68 retail licenses and will increase that number to 300 before the end of the year. While Kagia would not give a specific estimate of how many licensed stores will be open by the top of 2024, he says it takes about six months to open a dispensary after a license has been issued. As for the criticism that OCM's focus on social equity and the slow rollout of the license market is effectively helping the unlicensed market take root on seemingly every quarter of Manhattan and the other four boroughs, Kagia says doing the right thing takes time. Uh, this story goes on and on and on. It's quite long. I, I would urge you all to take a look at it and read through a lot more about it. Um, but I think it's an interesting debate. Do you throw the baby out with the bathwater to provide social equity? Um, or do you get a stronger market up and running? Uh, this Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. I don't know. I mean, Gretchen, these people have to be out of their minds if they think that they are saying that they are doing a good job with what they're doing and touting that they're going to have over 300 stores open by the end of the year. I'm willing to put another $100 bet that That's they not do what not they have said. 300 stores Not what they said. The end of the year. Not what they, they did. Nope. Jason, fine. What? Did I right. hear you? They said... They have issued 68 licenses. They will issue 300, issue the licenses. That doesn't mean that 300 stores will be open by the end of the year. In, in your thing that you read, it said that they would have 300 stores <laughs> open by the well, end of the year. Of issued license, didn't you understand? Doesn't mean that the doors are opening. Just saying. They, they've uh, already issued So So then you agree that they won't have 300 stores open by the end of the year? No, because I'm reading what the man said. Right. They've I'm, I'm issued no way that they could the license. Here we go. As a six-year-old, 
they Mom give and Dad you are a fighting license. Again. <laughs> it takes time to yeah. build your dispensary. I understand so that. Like it's called build he out. Said, he said, he said, from the moment of issuing a license, it takes about six months. Oh, so if no, you I listen to what that. he says, even if they issue 300 licenses before the end of the year, it's not likely that they will all be built out. However, they will be issuing licenses. Kathy Hochul said 20 a month. Okay, well, Kathy Hochul was wrong. I'm not quoting Kathy Hochul. Yeah, she's wrong, 100%. She's wrong. I have a question. Go yes, please. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm always the business and, and licensing and all of that, but why are they still issuing licenses while people are still getting arrested and people are still sitting in jail for cannabis? Yeah. What's the purpose of giving people money to sell cannabis while we're still getting locked up for consuming or possessing cannabis? Hold on. I don't think anyone's getting arrested for possessing cannabis in New York right now. They, it does not just New York. I'm just speaking, period. If people are still being arrested for cannabis, like here in Arizona, Mm-hmm. Why are they still issuing licenses or opening dispensaries or doing any of that? Why is the the drive up more dispensary money and more taxes, and it's not that much of a push for getting people out of jail for cannabis or keeping people from getting arrested for cannabis in the first place? I'll That's take this. I don't care if Go they don't open it. up any dispensaries. Go for it, Matthew Saint Germain. Besides longstanding institutionalized white supremacy, we live in a capitalist and not a free market system. The goal of Hello. capitalism, the, the goal of capitalism is the aggregation of profits in as few as hands of po- as possible. The goal of a free market system is the free trade of goods and services among human beings. If we lived in a free market system, there would be an impetus for allowing the free trade of goods and services among human beings. But we don't. We live in a capitalist system, and the goal is to get the money into as few as hands as possible. If you ever Google free market versus capitalism, you can get a distinct explanation of why capitalism is not actually free and is not about democracy or the people. Yeah, Jason Beck, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Because <laughs> it, it allows a, a conversation that I think a lot of people don't even understand. You know, like a lot of people, it's hard to fight the system when you don't even know what you're fighting. Right. Yeah, but you got to pass the laws. That's at the heart of this. You got to pass the laws. And in California, we had to pass a a voter initiative to change the criminal statute to um, remove penalties for cannabis up to a certain level and then just make it a misdemeanor soaking wet. Uh, We face that same thing out here. Politicians are pussies. They don't want to do anything unless they have to. And too many politicians have um, needs for money. And, you know, after Citizens United, uh, the average citizen doesn't stand a chance. Even a dispensary understands no chance in the political world. So these are the harsh realities because I'm in courts all the time. If you ain't got a law, then you ain't got shit. And the black market or the gray market, I'm sorry, the gray market doesn't give a shit. They'll open 20 dispensaries in the South Bronx next week. Yeah, okay. Dale. The, the question of this story here is, do you let a market fail trying to get social equity in place? And that's what they're suggesting. Hasn't the is market happening. already failed, Just though? Easy, Jason. All right. That's the question. 
Dad, let mom you talk. Zai even agrees with me that the market's the already failed. Is, yes, let the, it fail because there is no social equity. Stop yes. that around. It is mine. There's no social justice. There's no restoration for people. And uh, Zaza, I'm not talking about America in general. I'm talking about New York. New and York. Because the, the, the market was never, the, the market was never built to succeed. What makes New York any different? There's no social equity there either. Well, That's all the licenses is that no they're equity. issuing are social equity licenses. Turn it all down. All the licenses, all the regulations, just let people smoke cannabis and consume cannabis like they've been doing and stop putting people in jail. Period. Oh, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. fire today. Oh, yeah. This, this market well, was another, never built another key, suggesting, never. Oh, Hold on. Another suggestion in the story, instead of going by social equity licenses first, if you want to keep out the MSOs, fine, but create a pathway for all these illicit shops to go ahead, and that would help move things forward a lot faster. Or do we think there's that's no a money. terrible there's no, idea? There's, there's no money. There's no money available. About? Like, if, if, what are you if talking you're about? Down your trap business, all these look people what already happened got to LA. Look, look what happened. Why do you think all these other states are saying no to legalization? Because there's no money in that shit. What are you talking but, about? You know what? What, would hap what should happen? Gretchen, to answer mm -hmm. your question, all of those illicit shops that you, yes. you speak about, those those shops ha have been open and operating successfully. So why doesn't the state just license them? Right. That's what the is one it's, suggestion it's, is, is that they go ahead and just license them, them and be done. Licenses and just license the people who, who are already open and operating and operating successfully and slap whatever tax or whatever they're going to do anyway to them just do that and stop trying to put people in positions where they don't want to be. Clearly, the people who are opening and operating these illicit dispensaries are people who want to be in business and want to serve the community. So let them do their job, serve the community, let the states and the government stay out of it and let people just be happy. I mean, that's simple. What are you going to spend money to shut down businesses that are already open and operate it so that you can get some money from somebody to give them a license so they can do the same thing. That shit sounds stupid. Last word, Gretchen. The, all I'm saying, so the, the idea then of why they don't want to do it that way is because then that gets rid of social equity. So that's the question. Do you care about social equity? I know a lot of people. I know or a lot do of you people care about just getting things up and running? I know a lot of people from the industry that would that would argue to say that the people that are actually doing the work right now, servicing the community, are the real social equity applicants. That's right. They are or, social equity. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, so, all right. I'll go continue. For it. The saga continues. Let's go to a commercial. That was fun. Thank you, Gretchen. <laughs> Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Thoughts, opinions,
opinions and shade thrown at Hyatt 9 News are those of individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or his followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory, or any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary uh, responsibility or relationship. Our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you are an easily offended person, don't talk to Gretchen Gailey. You want to grow some of the best weed in the world? Then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sh to see why our Terps don't lie. Oh, yeah. Coming up next. That's right. He's an attorney with Armada Law and a straight bullshit buster and a ball buster who did some time for a federal cannabis crime. That's right. It is none other than the Dale Schaefer. Uh, good morning, everybody. My story comes out of Law 360 this morning, uh, and it's an ongoing um, saga, if you will, about what happens when you're in court and you don't pay attention to what the judge tells you to do and you fuck around and find out. This is uh, about, it comes out of Delaware, and Delaware, I want to give a shout out to for business because they have a specific court set up called the Court of Chancery to handle business disputes. You get through it a lot quicker and they don't have time for bullshit. And it turns out that uh, Bloom got got sued by a former investor. <clears throat> Guy's name was Jeff Manasi. I mean, I'm tor- horrible at names. If I torture it, I don't give a fuck, okay? And then his company, uh, DGBF, what the fuck that's supposed to be, LLC, these are Delaware corporations. They sued a couple former directors of American General Resources, which is Bloom, a guy named Michael Ray, and Vlad Efros. Um, and they sued for, among other things, fraud and inducing them to invest in their company. And initially, a judge decided we're going to let the case go forward. And typically, in a fraud case, <clears throat> you've got to allege an intent and knowledge. And, you know, we fight about that when it starts out. The judge said, OK, go forward. But then it turns out that these knuckleheads spoiled a bunch of evidence. They deleted things off laptops, they deleted text messages, they wiped servers. And in, in uh, electronic discovery in these days, and discovery, I mean, we want you to give us all your documents, you've got to turn them over. In electronic discovery, as soon as you know that you're going to get sued or have a reasonable belief, you've got to capture all your data and hold it. Well, these rocket scientists wiped a bunch of shit clean. And they were under orders to produce this stuff. And oh, we don't have it. But it ain't our fault because we didn't intend to cause them problems. And the judge said, you know what? I don't give a shit. You were ordered to do this because you didn't do it. I'm dismissing your case. And oh, by the way, you're going to pay the other sides $2.2 million in attorney's fees. Okay. Now, these are disputes I'm involved in all the time where 
somebody says, oh, you lied to me, you defrauded me, you didn't follow through on your contract, business is suing each other. And we typically put attorney's fees provisions in these. And what I find when I represent people in these disputes, uh, I, I spend a lot of time in and around the black market. As you know, I had five years in federal prison for growing weed. So I know, excuse me, the gray market. I'm, I'm educatable. And what I ran into is a whole bunch of people, primarily guys who were not very agreeable, didn't like to follow rules. Okay. And sometimes they were just flat out closed minded assholes and their mama never slapped them for um, acting up when they were kids. So when you get them into court, they don't understand when a judge says, well, I'm not asking, I'm ordering you. Okay. This is what Alex Jones found out from InfoWars. Okay. Um, it's like, hey, we told you, you pony this shit up or your case is done. You're going to pay millions of bucks. Same thing Cushy Punch guys did. We're not going to respond. Oh, yeah? Break out your checkbook. Okay. So if you do end up in court, I'm here to tell you that if your mama never gave you that look and then followed up with a slap across your head, a judge will do that to you. Okay. So don't be a dickhead when you go into court. You have to follow the rules. If you don't like the rules, it's too bad. You shouldn't have done what you did and try to get a decent legal team on board and listen to them. If the attorneys that were arguing for these guys, they, I, I think that uh, they got their degree from YouTube or something. They, they might have a place in Donald Trump's team, Jason, but these guys are fucking morons. If they're going to argue the court, and they're going to end up having to pony up money because it's malpractice to tell people not to follow court's orders. That's my ongoing saga for the day. Let's have at it, guys. You know what I think Trump would tell him? I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. <laughs> sue him. <laughs> sue him for sport. I didn't fuck that porn star. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> Donald who? No, it's Ronald. Ronald DeSantis. That's your new you, guy, Jason. Do you think he's going to say this? this You're going to have to get a cover-up on that Trump tattoo and get a DeSantis over it. Meatball Ron. Meatball Ron. <laughs> okay, I got to give it to Trump on that one, dude. Meatball Ron is fucking right. <laughs> oh man, Dale. I mean, this this is just crazy. Um, this, this fraud suit two two point two million dollars. You think they're going to be able to come up with it? Is it going to go on their personal? Well, there. I, I believe there's individuals here. Like in Cushy Putch, they sued individuals and entities. If the yeah. entities don't have it, then they will try to break through any corporate protection. Because if you're tied up in this stuff, you are per se violating the law. And it's hard to keep your corporate veil when your MO is to violate the law. So, yeah, they'll pierce through and go after people individually. And those are tough to skip discussions to have with people, Jason. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it sounds to me like this: these guys did the same thing. That Hillary Clinton did to her heart server is acid wash. It is basically did the same thing. Allegedly. Okay. But it, if you are sued or if you believe you're going to get sued, you have to preserve this. So it's a whole different. That's my setup. whole point. That's my whole point. She knew she knew that that was the State Department and she had to preserve those those emails. That's okay. my whole point. Well, if there's a downside uh, for doing that, she should have suffered the downside. Okay, I can agree okay. with that. 
I can agree. I, with I don't. Why were if those, anybody's why out there breaking the law and it's on their servers and they're trying to pretend like it's not, hey, I got no sympathy for it. These knuckleheads don't understand. There's no such thing as privacy when you put shit on the internet. Okay? Very true. You're Very just true. a knucklehead it's forever. That's it's forever. That's why OnlyFans is on the internet. That's right. We got to go to forever. We got to go to a commercial. We'll be right back. <laughs> Up next, she is a true cannabis industry OG, represented from Colorado, did work as a consultant all over the industry. And now she and her team have moved down to the great state of Oklahoma, where they said no to your legalized cannabis. We're gonna keep things medical, keep things the way they are, because it's for the people. Coming up next, proud to present, newest member to the team, Larissa Bolivar. What you got for us? Well done. My clap track ain't working today. Thanks for that intro, that was really great. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm in BFE, Oklahoma now, and and yeah, we voted a resounding no, and there's many reasons for that, actually, now that all of the opinions and analysis have come in. Mostly, uh, this is a very Republican state, and, you know, the taxes were very high, and then, you know, this was an off, this was an off-season, never, and the clean is on purpose, there are a lot of moms in here involved, you know, the smart team, it's... It was inevitable that it was going to fail. Um, I was a little disappointed because I have a grow that we are, you know, in the process. No, no, of we got to get into the story. And, we got to get into the story. Yes, but I want to get into the story. So, anyhow, because this is really important. And I, I really hate that it's marijuana moment story. Sorry, guys. But it was the first thing that I saw, and it has a lot of value. Um, and I'm actually not going to read the entire article because. Um, it's a real long one, and this I'm just going to synopsize it. But the United States, the United, and it's going to be hard not to laugh. Um, the United Nations Drug Control Body is suggesting that the United States is out of compliance with the decades-old international drug treaty because the federal government is passively allowing states within the country to legalize marijuana. Uh, while the UN's International Narcotics Control Board, the INCB, has routinely criticized countries for allowing the enactment of cannabis legalization due to their obligations under the 1961 single convention to maintain prohibition. Uh, a section of the new annual report it released last week stands out by appearing to indirectly address state level reform efforts in the United States. So what? Mind your own business, United Nations. We are, I mean, we elect, this is America. We create our own policies. There have been people visiting and meeting from the United States with the United Nations, but I want to stop right here. And I actually want to go into what their mission is because their main mission is to bring about peace. And we know that the drug war has been nothing but violence. My family actually moved out foreign policy to escape the drug war in Latin America and Peru. And so when I think of the United Nations, they formed in 1945, after the end of World War II, in order to bring about peace, I think peace, I don't think drug war. I, I've witnessed 
uh, guerrilla warfare fighting, terrorist fighting. I was I witnessed a terrorist attack in Peru when I, when I visited there. And, you know, I actually have been treated for PTSD. This is a very serious issue. Yes, the United States helped create that rule with the United Nations. But the irony that the United Nations that is supposed to be an institution that delivers peace is actually trying to call us out for taking measures into our own hands, whether we're not happy on how like legalization has actually played out. This to me is just ridiculous. And so, you know, I, I, I suggest that people go and read what their report actually has to say and digest it themselves. But, you know, I, it, it, it's just absurd. They even, um, even had something to say about this because we I mean the other thing I want to say is there's been studies around dispensaries yes there's some violence happening but that's all because of the cash flow issue we've already tried passing the safe bank act so we're very aware of the the ramifications of legalization and way things are going to change but we even have an opinion on it and to call us out directly as a country when there's other countries who have fully legalized and it, it, it's just absurd. And they should, in this case, I think we need to be working towards creating better policy internationally. And a, this is a good time and a historical moment, a watershed moment, where we could actually address that, that the 1961 Convention on Narcotic Drugs and, and change it and add marijuana. It does have medicinal value. It should have never been added to the to the Controlled Substance Act. The United States is reviewing policy. You know, Biden says he's reviewing policy. So, you know, this is a very critical moment. Um, but yeah, I just, it was just absurd. I'm kind of- I agree with you. Can uh, read the rest of the article? It's no, like really no, long. no, it's all good. It's all good. Okay. That's all good. We we got it. We we got it. And you just got to close out Larissa by saying this is Larissa Boulevard for High at Nine News. <laughs> This is Larissa Boulevard. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> the, the UN uh, voted um, two years ago to move forward with medical cannabis and uh, um, and industrial hemp, but they did not want to legalize. They didn't want any kind of legalization of it. So um, I don't see why America needs to listen to the UN, anyways. Um, but you know, I, I see this as as, as Joe Biden ready to bow down either way and the whole thing's going to go medical and just go to big pharma so so check this out uh i learned this in science class um u.n treaties which we've signed multiple since the formation of the u.n which is a lot of it was at the u.s impetus actually all those u.n treaties supersede american law i learned this when i was learning about um pressurized gases such as liquid nitrous oxide but uh if you ever want to get liquid nitrous oxide, you want to make sure it's medical. It actually says UN 1072 and UN is United Nations. 1072 is the identification number on a medical nitrous tank. And the reason it has to have that number is because of an international treaty we signed with the UN. So when the U.S. formed the United Nations, we were the ones that pushed to make cannabis illegal. So in the funniest end around, the U.S. making cannabis illegal through the United Nations is what's now causing the United Nations to tell us that we're in abrogation of a treaty and have to make the states repeal the law until the federal government decriminalizes or repeals the law. So so it's not like Joe Biden or anyone in the government has really much of a choice uh, other than standing standing up or defying the United Nations. It's literally legally United Nations treaties supersede everything, including the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. 
Yeah, yeah. but they can, they can pass whatever rule they want. They can go to the international court and get whatever order they want. In the United States, to tell them to go fuck themselves. Exactly. exactly. Tell them to tell go the kick rock. Exactly. Don't agree. Right. So, and yep. these conventions go back to, to 1912 with the first international convention on drugs. They just kept rolling them over. And, you know, we are the tail wagging the dog at the UN. Yep. And they can yes. mark all they want. But like Andrew Jackson told the Supreme Court of the Cherokee Nation cases, they've made the decision. Let them enforce it. Yeah, well, I, I, want, I, I want to see the UN show up over here on the block. All right. All right. Well, maybe on the one person who actually agrees with the UN. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't think that they need to be calling out individual states. Uh, I think the UN, hold your horses. I don't know what happened to my camera. I'm sure it's Rico's crappy internet messing with mine. Yeah, Why does it have to be mine today? My internet's fire today. My point is. My point is, the UN needs to be calling out our federal government. They don't need to yeah. be calling out individual states. They need to say to the feds, stop being so damn messy, get in compliance with the rest of your states, then we'll work on your other shit. I, I don't have a problem with the UN telling us to clean our mess up. I, however we decide to clean it up, that's on us. But Just, just so you know, Gretchen, I, I This is a I, big I issue with you. legalization is people don't look at what the international implications are, and they do matter, especially when you want to get into fights over uh, Brittany Griner, when you want to talk about the Olympics. All that shit matters. You got to deal with the UN. The UN is the body behind all this stuff. So, is, it, is, it, is the UN at war with Ukraine, or is America at war with Ukraine? Or I mean, at war with uh, against Russia? What? One more no, time. Who's at, who's at war? Is with America Russia? or the UN at war with Russia right now? I don't know. Jesus Christ! I, where, is the Ukraine even a part of the UN yet? No. Are well, Ukraine no. is part of the no, UN. Not. It's not part of the EU or NATO. Currently, NATO-like no, countries are, and some non-NATO countries are supplying Ukraine with weapons and ammunition, but no one has formally declared war. Okay, I don't including know Russia. Russia just okay. says they're on a special operation, just hanging out. So, yeah, no, we just wanted to visit. It was machine guns and stuff. You know? back, back, back to this topic, Gretchen. I actually do. I don't know why we're getting into the Ukraine this, here. I do think this is extremely hilarious that the UN is telling the uh, America this. But my point was, is that the UN basically has absolutely zero enforcement on anything that America is going to do. Sure. I mean, what, what are they going to do? Are they going to show up with the peacekeepers and tell us what exactly. to do? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but I don't need someone to kick down my door to tell me how we need to get clean up our shit. Are you kidding me? I just think it's I just think it's funny that 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 that, that they're doing this. I I, I really got a kick out of out of this article, and I thought it was hysterically funny. Like, no, yeah, yeah. No, nobody nobody kicks down your door and tells you to pick up that pit bull shit on your door. Yeah, and and, and also, also too because you have some lawmakers that'll say one of the reasons that they don't support legalization of of cannabis overall is because there's a UN treaty that cannabis is in, and you would have to undo that in order to legalize cannabis on the federal level. It's an issue that needs to be dealt with. Yes, that's true. We can't ignore it. Next. Yes, here we go. Coming up next, he's a little cannabis wizard hopping along, trolling along, but at the same time, he is the immortal count who's been around for decades upon decades. More lives than you can live. These lived in one body. That is right. It is the immortal count himself, Matthew St. Germain. Oh, there's no applause today. <laughs> Hi, everybody. St. Germain here. Uh, happy I Wednesday. I don't have that on my soundboard. 
<laughs> um, my story comes from my friends, the Beard Brothers. Uh, Washington is in a bid to restrict. Uh, they had a bid to restrict high THC products, which failed. And at the same time, they're moving to try to legalize interstate commerce. This one is interesting. As the cannabis industry continues to flourish, lawmakers in Washington state are struggling to find a balance between protecting consumers and supporting businesses. This legislative session saw the introduction of two bills that aim to impose heavier restrictions on high THC products. However, these bills faced fierce opposition from experts and industry professionals who argued that limiting products solely on THC percentage was both outdated and a counter, uh, counterproductive approach. House Bill 1642 sought to restrict products with more than 35% THC to the medical market, while HB 1641 aimed to limit high THC products to adult-use consumers, uh, customers 25 or older. The latter bill would have also imposed higher taxes, creating stricter uh, advertising rules, as well as funding a public health campaign warning users about the adverse effects of high-potency marijuana. Despite being heard in, in two committees, the, both bills failed to gain further momentum and are expected to be uh, condemned into legislative limbo and never coming up for a vote. The bill's, uh, second bill, sp sp sponsored by State Senator Karen Kaiser, say that five times fast, allows the Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board to enter into agreements with other states to establish a framework for the sale and transportation of cannabis products across state lines. However, it can't take place until the government allows it. The passage of this bill has the potential to reshape the cannabis industry, uh, both in Washington state and beyond. It opens up new consumer bases, expands our reach beyond state borders, would have the potential to reduce supply chain inefficiencies, allow everyone to get that sweet California weed. Sorry, Washington. Uh, the interstate sale of marijuana is currently illegal under federal law, which classifies cannabis as a Schedule One drug. However, with increasing support for federal legalization and the potential for new legislation under the Biden administration, the future of interstate commerce is beginning to look up. This is Matthew St. Germain for the Hyatt 9 News. Interested to uh, what you guys have to add to this. Oh, boy. I mean, I'm glad that this THC cap failed. Um, and, yeah, that's ridiculous. And, and at the same time, this is just the same thing that Oregon's done, that, that, that California's voted on, that the that uh you know they at, they asked the attorney general for an opinion piece on, and they're gonna come back with either a lie. Or the truth, they're going to say you can't, you can do it, which is going to be a lie, or they're going to tell you that you can't, and then they'll be telling the truth. So we'll see. Stalling tactics. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, but I, I think that's great. Do you know how many? Do you know how many states it takes to uh, legalize cannabis before it's de facto? I that's heard that's there was a. Work. There's, there's not a number. Oh, no. Wait, 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 wait. No. Say that again. How I thought there was states? a certain number of states that could 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 vote to ratify it and make it federally legal. All the stoners used yeah, to tell if, me that back in the day. That's not real. Oh. If you send an, a constitutional amendment out out of Congress and send it around, it takes um, two, two thirds. thirds, two thirds but that would still have to come from Congress, that. though. You need a constitutional amendment. That ain't happening. Well, what, what I'm curious about is that there's a spending preclusion, and I, I think it's Blumenauer McClintock is the latest version of yep. this thing, that says if you're following state, and it uses medical marijuana laws, but I'd argue it's more expansive. You're following it, it, state I, I say the same thing because, because, of, because of how it's written, because uh, uh, those types of bills are written so broad that it encompasses everything, so yeah. basically they can't. They can't they can't even ask to or spend any money to determine whether something is medical or not. So it all has to be presumed medical. Well, and we have a, a case called the uh, McIntosh case out of the Ninth Circuit here, which stopped a federal prosecution. So I went back and figured out, was this state legal? 
Okay. So everybody kind of pumped the brakes a little bit. And if interstate commerce <clears throat> has been made state legal, now we're going to have a pissing match over whether you can actually bring that forward until you have a, a, a case heard about the legality uh, of the underlying state. Um, if you're following those rules, okay. If you're within the rules of the state and you can't spend money to go enforce against people who are following state laws and crossing a state line is legal under state law. Now we've got a huge pissing match and we'll see how that goes. I, I don't read. I, I, I don't, I don't believe they can do that deal because, because in order for them to enact that they would have to have an interstate trade compact and interstate trade compact is only approved by a vote of Congress. And you're not going to get 218 votes in the house to approve that. Well, it, but the way this is rolling out, Jason, is that nobody in political position has the balls to go in and just pass laws to fix this shit. They bite around the edges of it. The gray market continues to do what it's going to do. And you're playing catch up with what the gray market's doing by trying to pass these laws around the edges. Nobody really wants to attack it. That's not how it's going to do. It's going to be such a problem because this prohibitionary law is not supported by enough of the population to enforce it. So we end up in these situations where there's disparate treatment. People like me get thrown in prison for growing weed for people with cancer. You're a fucking mm -hmm. idiot. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you end up with. And the population goes, we don't trust your laws anymore, which is a real bad place for the government to be. But that's where they put us. They won't well, pass the yeah. law to fix it. And Jason, Jason, I, I have been talking recently with some folks about interstate commerce. And there may be a way around uh -huh. it uh, that will not take legislation or a vote from Congress, but this is more an administrative issue. Um, and there's a way to backdoor this if they really wanted to. Mm, and interesting. I love anyone who pay, wants to pay me lots of money. I will tell them how to do this. I bet. Canopic strategies. Answered uh -huh. interstate <laughs> commerce. Right here. Well, yeah. But what I can say, Gretchen, is the way that our federal Supreme Court is lining up right now. They are ready to attack some basic principles that we've gone forward in some of these federal laws. The Commerce Clause is one that's at risk of being attacked here. And Clarence Thomas is ready to do that with a majority. But there's other ways that you can backdoor this mm -hmm. through a federal decision that just, you know, you can't enforce these laws anymore. So now what are you going to do? That's what happened when Tim Leary's case was thrown out. The Congress didn't have to do something because their laws were gone. So we will see. Uh, I don't know. It's it's going to be anarchy for a while, but, you know, maybe somebody has the balls to throw a grenade in and watch it go. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Let it burn. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I think there are loopholes so, that have not been have not been explored yet. Have not been exploited yet. Explored. Loopholes. Uh -huh. Backdoors, skirting the. I'm always, I'm always down for a good, good loophole, though, Gretchen. I'm always down for a good loophole, so I guess we'll be. I know cool. you love a loophole. You want to start throwing some grenades and start some interstate commerce, Jason? I'm, back? I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, man. I'm sure we we're at the we we're a little past the uh, uh, the the time now, so we got to take it out. Thank you all out there for tuning in with us for yet another episode of High at Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our live audience members and orders tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. Uh, to our vetted industry correspondent team tuning in from all over the global community, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and adding your respected opinions.
into the conversation. And to our production team, thank you, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and wonderful Jaja Simone holding things down for us over in Clubhouse. And um, our AV struggles were at an all-time high today. I'm just glad my internet was fire, regardless of what Gretchen Gailey claims. To our haters out there, bless y'all's hearts. I hope you all can, you know, just move to uh, to New York and pay absorbent taxes and believe that the industry is actually going to be there for you one day to create generational wealth. Mm, it ain't. But anyways, Cannabis Sativa L, we love you so very much. It is Women's History Month and we will always praise you, Mama Wana. <sighs> Shaja. Is Jaja on? I was going to give Jaja the, 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 the outro today. If she ain't on, Larissa, it's on you, man. What you got for us? You got a, you got a message for us? Zaza's right out? here. Zaza's right here. I'm Zaza, what you got for us? Final there word. Was everybody. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun, actually. Thanks. Yeah. Happy Wednesday. Smoke more weed. Smoke. Peace and love. Yeah. How about smoke better weed? Oh, yeah. Right, come on, Anna. What's going on, bro? What are you doing? Put us out of our business.